Are you looking for an athletic scholarship? You're in the right place. This is the Recruit Me Athletic Scholarship Podcast, the longest running podcast on recruiting and athletic scholarships. We're here to help your family navigate the recruiting road all the way to an athletic scholarship. He's a recruiting expert and a dad of a D1 athlete and a high school athlete pursuing a scholarship. With a wealth of experience to share, here's Recruit Me CEO, Brent Hanks. Welcome to episode 266 of the Athletic Scholarship Podcast. I hope you had a great Labor Day weekend and your sports are going great whether you are in-season or off-season. This episode is named Eligibility Requirements and Core Courses. I'm going to dive into the academic requirements you as a high school student athletes have to obtain to be eligible to play college sports. Sometimes it gets lost that we are trading off the opportunity to play a sport to get an education over a four or five year period. Whether you are getting a full ride athletic scholarship, by the way, listen to episodes 216 and 217 for scholarship information, or a partial athletic scholarship, or an academic scholarship, or a scholarship that you applied for, most are tied to your academics while in college. So let's talk about what to do to prepare for these college requirements and when you take steps to prepare to be ready to be recruited. A lot of information is going to come from the NCAA.org website and there are going to be a lot of free resources to take advantage of. I'm going to stay mainly on the NCAA side of this topic. Next week's episode will have information on NAIA eligibility and junior college eligibility. With that, let's start out at the NCAA.org website. Remember that the individual schools that you are looking at may have different academic requirements. So these are just the basics you need to achieve to be eligible to play at the NCAA Division I, Division II, and Division III levels. Let's walk through the NCAA website, ncaa.org. When you first go onto the ncaa.org website, there are headers on the home page. Click on Student Athletes, and a pull-down menu will appear. Click on Want to Play College Sports. In the middle of the Want to Play College Sports page, there are three boxes. Play Division I Sports, Play Division II Sports, and Play Division III Sports. I will concentrate on these links today. To advance to the eligibility information at each level, click on the Learn More link. Here's what NCA.org suggests you do by high school grade level to make sure you are eligible to play NCA Division I Sports. Grade 9. Ask your counselor for a list of your high school's NCAA core classes to make sure you take the right classes. If you click on the link, you will see three links. One is find your high school school list of NCAA core courses. You will be taken to the high school portal and search for your high school by its six-digit CEEB backslash ACT code or search by city and state and the high school name. Your high school account status will be shown along with a high school summary with the high school code, its name, and its address of the high school. It will have the primary contact and a secondary contact. You can see your high school's approved courses. I believe it will be easier to understand if you just meet with your high school counselor, though. What are core courses? Not all high school classes count as NCA core courses. Only classes in English, Math, Algebra 1 or higher, Natural or Physical Science, Social Science, Foreign Language, Comparative religion or philosophy may be approved as an NCAA core course. Remedial classes and classes completed through credit by exam are not considered NCAA core courses. 
Classes that are NCA core courses include, again, English, English 1 through 4, American Literature, Creative Writing, Math, Algebra 1 through 3, Geometry, and Statistics, Natural of Physical Science, Biology, Chemistry, and Physics, Social Science, American History, Civics, Government, Additional, Comparative Religion, Spanish 1 through 4. Classes that are not NCA core courses include classes in non-core areas, fine arts or vocations like driver's ed, typing, art, music, physical education, or welding, personal skill classes such as personal finance or consumer education, classes taught below grade level at a slower pace and with less rigor or depth. These classes are often titled basic, essential, fundamental, or foundational. Classes that are not academic in nature, such as film appreciation, video editing, or greenhouse management. If you take a high school class, such as Algebra 1 or Spanish 1, before you start ninth grade, the class may count for your 16 core courses if it's on your high school's list of approved core courses, and it is shown on your high school transcript with a grade and a credit. Speaking of credit, here's what NCA.org has to say about a credit. You can earn credit for a core course only once. If you take a course that repeats the content of another core course, you earn credit for only one of these courses, and the higher grade counts towards your core course GPA. Generally, you receive the same number of credits from the NCA for a core course that you receive from your high school for the class. One academic semester of class counts for 0.5 of a core course credit. One academic trimester of a class counts for 0.34 of a core course credit. One academic quarter of a class counts for 0.25 of a core course credit. A one-year class taken over a longer period of time is considered one core course and is not rewarded more than one full credit. There is a link on NCA.org that you can click to calculate your core course credits and GPA. You can go to this link and go to a D1 and D2 worksheet that provides assistance in monitoring your progress to meet NCAA standards. Again, I suggest you meet with your high school counselor to help you through this process. Now looking at grade 10, the NCAA suggests that you register with the NCAA Eligibility Center at eligibilitycenter.org. Go back and listen to episode 257. That episode is dedicated to the Eligibility Center. Grade 11. Again, check with your counselor to make sure you will graduate on time with the required number of NCAA core courses. Take the ACT or SAT and submit your score to the NCAA using code 9999. There is a link for more ACT and SAT information. Speaking of test scores, when you register for the ACT or SAT, use the NCAA Eligibility Center code of 9999 so your scores are sent directly to the Eligibility Center from the testing agency. Test scores on transcripts will not be used in your academic certification. A combined SAT score is calculated by adding reading and math subscores. An ACT sum score is calculated by adding math, English, reading, and science subscores. You may take the SAT or ACT an unlimited number of times before you enroll full-time in college. If you take either test more than once, the best subscore from the different tests are used to meet the initial eligibility requirements. You can go to ACT.org and collegeboard.org for the SAT. Hopefully I can do a more in-depth look at the ACT and SAT testing later. Both of my sons took the ACT test. 
One hint I will give you now on the ACT is that you get to send your score to three schools or places for free. So save room to send the NCAA code 9999 and the NAIA code if you are doing one or both. The NAIA code is 9876. If you send your score to more than three schools, there is a cost attached. Also, one more quick hint is to take the test your sophomore year. That's my personal opinion. The early test will help you understand what you need to do to improve your score and it will take the pressure off of you if you wait too long. There is a Division I Initial Eligibility Quick Reference Sheet and a Division II Initial Eligibility Quick Reference Sheet, plus an International Initial Eligibility Flyer. These links will be below in the show notes of this episode. The Division I test score requirements use a sliding scale to match SAT and SAT scores and core course grade point averages to determine eligibility. The sliding scale balances your score with your GPA. If you have a low score, you need a higher GPA to be eligible. If you have a low GPA, you need a higher test score to be eligible. There is a link where you can learn more about Division I academic requirements on the NCAA.org website. Division II test score requirements are, if you enroll full-time at a Division II school, you must meet all academic requirements and earn an SAT or ACT score matching your core course GPA on the Division II sliding scale to be eligible to compete. The sliding scale will balance your test score with your GPA. If you have a low test score, you need a higher GPA to be eligible. If you have a low GPA, you need a higher score to be eligible. Again, you can learn more about Division II academic requirements on NCA.org. If you enroll full-time at a Division II school and have not met all the Division II academic requirements, you may not compete in your first year. If you meet the requirements to be a partial qualifier, you may practice and receive an athletic scholarship in your first year. To be a partial qualifier, you must graduate high school and meet all the following requirements. You must have completed 16 core courses, earned at least a 2.2 GPA in your core courses, and earn an SAT or ACT score matching your core course GPA on the Division II sliding scale. In the Division II test score requirement just given, there was a mention of a 2.2 GPA in your core courses. Let's see what the NCAA.org website says about grade point average. Grade point average. The NCAA Eligibility Center calculates your grade point average, GPA, based on the grades you earned in NCAA-approved core courses. Only your best grades from the required number of NCAA core courses will be used. Grades from additional core courses will be used only if they improve your grade point average. Your GPA is calculated on a 4.0 scale. Numeric grades such as 92 or 87 are changed to letter grades such as A or B. The NCAA Eligibility Center does not use plus or minus grades when calculating GPA. Weighted honors or advanced courses may improve your core GPA, but your high school must notify the NCAA Eligibility Center that it weights its grades in classes. In a pass-fail grading situation, the NCAA Eligibility Center will assign your high school's lowest passing grade in which you receive a pass grade. For most high schools, the lowest passing grade is a D, so the Eligibility Center generally assigns a D as a passing grade. There is a link to calculate your core course credits and GPA. Generally, you receive the same number of credits from the NCA for core courses that you receive from your high school for that class. One academic semester of class counts as 0.5 of core course credits. 
To calculate your estimated core course grade point average, divide the total number of quality points for all your core courses by the number of core course units that you have completed. To calculate quality points for each core course, multiply the following points for each grade by the amount of credit earned for that class. An A is 4 points, a B is 3 points, a C is 2 points, and a D is 1 point. Examples would be an A grade, 4 points, for a tri-semester course, 0.34 units. You would take 4 points times 0.34 units equals 1.36 total quality points. Another example is an A grade, 4 points, for a semester course, 0.5 units, would be 4 points times 0.5 units equals 2 total quality points. And the last example, an A grade, 4 points, for a full year course, 1 unit, 4 points times 1 unit equals 4 quality points. So, have you figured out why we suggest to get your high school counselor involved? This is not very easy to figure out and keep track of. To finalize the grade 11 portion, at the end of the year, ask your counselor to upload your official transcript to the NCA Eligibility Center. Here's what the NCA says about transcripts. The high school counselor will need to submit transcripts for the student-athlete registered with the NCA Eligibility Center. Please note that by agreeing to the NCA Eligibility Center's terms and conditions, when a student completes their registration, all students have agreed to release their official transcripts to the NCA Eligibility Center. The easiest way to send official transcripts is by uploading them directly through the high school portal. Direct uploads are quick, free, and provide almost immediate access to a student-athlete's transcripts. Learn more about directly uploading transcripts by clicking on the link on this page. The NCA Eligibility Center also accepts official electronic transcripts from a list of approved providers. Again, there are links on this transcripts page of the NCA.org website that you can click. If a student has attended more than one high school or taken courses from more than one program, the NCAA Eligibility Center needs an official transcript from each high school or program. Grades from one high school or program transcribed on another high school's transcript will not be accepted. If your school is part of a district with a common transcript, you do not need to submit multiple transcripts for a student who has attended multiple high schools in your district. There is a list of official service providers to send your transcripts on the NCA.org website. If your school does not use one of these service providers, domestic high schools may upload electronic transcripts through the high school portal. Uploaded documents are immediately associated with the Students Eligibility Center account. Domestic high schools may also email official records to ec-processing at ncaa.org. Please allow two days for processing from the day of receipt. Transcripts may also be mailed to the following address. Please allow four days of processing from the day of receipt. You can mail to NCA Eligibility Center Certification Processing, P.O. Box 7110, Indianapolis, Indiana 46202. It does say on this site, uploading a PDF via the high school portal is considered the best practice. However, password-protected PDFs cannot be accepted. The Eligibility Center does not accept faxed transcripts. Also, go to nca.org and click on the link for information to submit documents for international students. That completes the nca.org information on your checklist for your freshman, sophomore, and junior year of Division I and Division II levels. Grade 12, 
Finish your last NCAA core courses. Take the ACT or SAT again if necessary and submit your scores to the NCAA using code 9999. And amateurism questions in your NCAA Eligibility Center account at eligibilitycenter.org. Amateurism. Prospective student-athletes enrolling for the first time at a Division I or Division II school must receive their final amateurism certification for being eligible to compete. This includes transfers from junior colleges, NAIA, international, or Division III schools. To receive your amateurism certification, prospective student-athletes should register with the NCAA Eligibility Center, completely and accurately fill out the sports participation section during registration, request their final certification promptly, and monitor tasks assigned to their account. Below are certain situations that may impact a prospective student-athlete's amateur status. Taking a break between high school, secondary school, and full-time collegiate enrollment and continuing to participate in your sport or sports. Using a recruiting agency, scholarship agent, or scouting service. Receiving payment from a sports team to participate. Receiving funds or money to offset training expenses. Receiving prize money based on performance or finish at a competition. Being represented or marketed by a professional sports agent. Promoting or endorsing a commercial product or service. Again, on NCA.org, there are a few links that you can click on to get more information about these resources. After you graduate, ask your counselor to submit your final official transcript with proof of graduation to the NCAA Eligibility Center. Division III college-bound student-athletes are not certified by the NCAA Eligibility Center because the Division III colleges and universities each set their own admission standards. College-bound student-athletes should contact their Division III college or university of interest regarding policies on admission, financial aid, and athletic eligibility. That is a lot of information about eligibility, and I've gone over the normal 15 minutes. Let me know what questions you have and what this episode may have missed. Email me, brent at recruit-me.com with questions or comments. And join me next week as we talk about the eligibility in NAIA and junior college ranks. Recruit Me has two deals for you to help you through the recruiting process. I feel getting started as you enter your freshman year is the best place to begin. But if you are a sophomore, a junior, or even entering your senior year, you can use these resources and get a scholarship and play your favorite sport. The first deal is only $1. It is the opportunity to get the recruiting checklist. The checklist is covered in episodes 258 through 262 of the Athletic Scholarship Podcast. This is a great, inexpensive guide through the recruiting process. Click in the show notes or go to recruit-me.com backslash tools to get access. Also, you can take advantage of the new back-to-school price on the Recruit Me 3.0 Athletic Scholarship System. The normal price is $127, but this special offer is only $99, and it will help you to boost your recruiting efforts. Go to the link in the show notes to get more info and click on the Get Access button at recruit-me.com backslash system. Get started today. Thank you for listening, and with school starting, this is a great time to go back and listen to past episodes and to share the Athletic Scholarship Podcast with others, classmates and underclassmen. Join me next Tuesday for another 15 minutes that will change your scholarship future.